2 Corinthians chapter 13, and that is verse 14. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, I got to this uh, end of this chapter, and as I was thinking about these two books that uh, are these two letters that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, this church was in just terrible shape. Uh, a lot of sin in the church and a lot of things going on. And uh, I just see here at the end of this book, uh, uh, we are invited into the what I would consider the mind of God and the thoughts of Paul about communicating to this church at Corinth and what he's communicating is to this struggling church the importance of staying close to God. And so that's what this ending statement is from Paul here as we get to the end of the letter. And uh, when you think about this, uh, staying close with God is so important. And notice that it says the communion of the Holy Ghost. And I titled tonight's message Holy Ghost Communion. And uh, I did a little bit of homework on this and, and really began to study this out and, and uh, considered what Paul was discussing here with us. And I I began to think about friends and friendship as I read through and, and studied this out. And some of us probably have had friends in our lifetime or someone we might call a friend, but we have a few that maybe we would call our best friend or a very close friend. And, uh, you know, in my lifetime, I've had some friends, and uh, I would say they've come and gone, and then I've had some people that I was close to for a time. And then there is uh, certain individuals that I would say, uh, have just remained a very, very close friend to me uh, through the years. And when I say that, what I mean by that is this is the type of person that uh, I would communicate with regularly. It's someone that uh, I would even have some of my most deep-seated thoughts that I could share with them. It's an intimate uh, relationship in that sense. And then uh, what I thought about is that what we have is we have some common ground that we meet on and, and we can talk to one another and, and we discuss things with each other and and, and it's a close relationship, if you will, a very close relationship. And so as I began to put the message together, uh, the message uh, by God through Paul here focuses on the importance of our partnership, our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, our partnership, our relationship with God and also the Holy Spirit. And so as I uh, looked at this, I, I began to really think about, are you close in communion with the Spirit of the Lord? Are you close in communion with the Spirit of the Lord? And I want us to be challenged in our hearts just to think about that as we go through the message this evening. And I believe God wants to communicate with us daily, and this comes by way of prayer. This comes by way of us uh, studying the Word of God. And, I, I, and if you are going to commune with the Holy Ghost, if you're going to commune with God, if you're going to commune with the Lord Jesus Christ, there has to be a time where you're getting alone with God and, and you're just communicating. I know there are times where uh, you know, I've, I've been with my wife, and, and it's us, and we're in a crowd, and, and we're talking to people all the time, and I, I might be with her, but I'm not really communing with my wife. I'm not really discussing with her. And then there are those times where we just kind of get away, and it's just the two of us, and, and I'm able to really hold a conversation with her about things that are going on in our lives, and the things that we're thinking about, and, and decisions that we're making, and how we're talking about things that matter to the each of us. And so there's that close communion. And, and I believe the same is true in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that comes by communing with the Holy Ghost. And, and the love of God is shed abroad by doing that for us and by giving us the Spirit of the Lord in us. And so when you think about this, it's by way of prayer and reading the Word of God. 
And I believe it is fellowship with other Christians, but it, more importantly, I believe this is fellowship uh, with the Spirit of the Lord. And so I think God has given us access to three precious gifts through our personal relationship with the Lord. Three things in the final message of this book, in this chapter, in this last verse, there are three things that I want you to kind of underline in your Bible. Three things that you could clearly see. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost. Three very wonderful things that are very clearly seen, and we have these precious gifts given unto us with our personal relationship with the Lord. And what I want us to look at first is the subject matter of the grace of God. Brother Chris, we had some other folks come in here in the back. If you don't mind uh, helping uh, with that, I'd appreciate it. Uh, Paul is emphasizing the importance of our personal relationship with God, and, and we know and understand that the Bible speaks of the Trinity. If it was any more clear, it would be right here in this verse. Would you agree? Jesus Christ, you see Jesus Christ, you see God, and you see the Holy Ghost. And so when you look at this, one of the things that we see there is the Holy Ghost himself. So the grace of Jesus uh, indicates that it's Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. At the, at the close of this book, Paul shares three specific ideas about our spiritual relationship with the Lord, and he begins with calling attention to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you go through the Bible, this grace is found all throughout the New Testament, and we find that this grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible would teach us this, that it's a gift of God. The grace of the Lord Jesus is a gift of God. And so we're going to look into this a little bit deeper as we move on into the message here. Uh, this grace that we're talking about here, this gift, emphasizes what and who Christ is to us, and that through him men are saved, which is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to give you two verses to think about this evening. One is Acts 15.11. In Acts 15.11, the Bible says, But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. It is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that saves. And so the grace of Jesus, we see emphasis on the Holy Ghost, the gift, and this emphasis is on Christ himself, who saves. In 2 Corinthians 8, 9, the Bible says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. I believe that wealth, that rich that he's speaking of there, is salvation. And he's talking about that to us by the grace of Jesus Christ. Now the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is the gift of God provided to man, which allows the souls of men to enter into heaven through faith in Christ. Would you turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 2? I want you to look at three verses here as we discuss this, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and this is what allows men to enter in, the souls of men to enter into heaven. I want you to look at three verses with me in Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 6 with me, if you will. It should start, and hath raised us up together. Are we there together? And hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God. When we think about this grace that God's speaking of here, 
It hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. One of the things about it is, is that this grace of God is so wonderful. This grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is so wonderful. It is what saves the souls of men and women. It is who Christ is. And so when Paul closes out this letter, he said, And all the saints salute you, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. When he speaks of this grace, this grace is so marvelous, it's so wonderful, and it tells us that we're saved by grace. And so Jesus is grace. Jesus is the grace of God. When you think about grace itself, I know people define it in various ways and in different ways, but the reality of it is, is that Jesus Christ is the grace of God. It is what God has given unto you and to me to take our souls to heaven when we part this earth. It is our faith and trust in Him. Now you think about the grace of Jesus Christ, and I thought about things about my Savior that are so wonderful. This grace that we have, we have because Jesus was uh, come to this earth by a virgin birth. Jesus lived a sinless life. That's the grace of God doing all of this. Jesus lived this sinless life. Jesus took on a cruel crucifixion that we deserve. That's the grace of God doing that for us. That crucifixion that Christ took on the cross at Calvary, we deserved that, and he took it for us. But that's his grace coming down to man and taking over that situation for us. The grace of God is Jesus dying on that cross at Calvary for you and for me. His shed blood, that is the grace of God taking care of a sin problem that we had. And, and that sin problem is taken care of because God sent His only begotten Son to us. His only begotten Son is the grace of God that came down to man, that died on that cruel cross for us. And then the thing about it is, is that He was buried. <laughs> and he, he was put in that tomb. But the wonderful thing is, is that he rose again. And that is the grace of God that did that for you and me. You see, in the Bible, when you go to Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, we see the amazing grace of God. Uh, that, that the idea is, is that if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in our hearts that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be what? Say, that is the grace of God. When Paul ends this letter, what I'm trying to get you to get your uh, mind wrapped around is these people were in a terrible sin situation. From 1 Corinthians on, he's correcting all the things that they're doing wrong and sinning against God. And, and yet, at the very end of this letter, he brings them to understand that there is this marvelous, wonderful grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The wonderful thing about the grace of Jesus Christ is he not only forgives our sin debt, he forgives our sins. And so throughout the week, when we go out and throughout our week and we're out in public and we're out around people and, and, and we're out around folks, listen, all of us are still sinners. And if you're here tonight and you're saved, say amen. Amen? And we go out into the world, but we still fall prey to sins, don't we? And each one of us do that. But you know what's so wonderful about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? He forgives those sins, doesn't he? Because he tells us if we confess our what? Sins, he's faithful just to do what? Forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That, folks, is the grace of God. That is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ coming down to us. You see, when he died on that cruel cross, he died for this old sin nature that I have. And when I trust him as my Savior and, and trust what he did for me on the cross at Calvary, he takes my soul from an eternal hell 
to an eternal heaven. That's the grace of God. When he takes my soul from an eternal hell to an eternal heaven, uh, and, and, and I'm walking now in Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit which worketh in me, then there are those days where I'm walking in the flesh and not in the Spirit, and, and there are days where I'm sinful in my activities, in my thoughts, in my behavior, things I say, things I do, and yet the wonderful thing about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is this. If I come and seek forgiveness, he does it. <laughs> that is the grace of the Lord. That is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, all men who believe and receive the gift of God, eternal life through grace, that is Jesus Christ. You're trusting in the grace of God. So to be in close communion with the Holy Ghost, one of the first things that has to happen is you must be saved. You cannot walk close with God. You cannot walk close with God if you are not saved. You don't have a relationship with him. You have nothing in relationship with Christ. If you do not have Christ as your Savior, there's nothing in common. And so I love it because Paul said, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, now watch this, and the love of God. So when you're in close fellowship with the Spirit, you're in an intimate relationship with the Lord. And here's the thing. The love of God, this is an endless subject, by the way. I went in and was doing some deep study, and I, I really got enamored with the Word of God uh, over the last several days and just looking into this. But the love of God, it is eternal in nature, and it's shown to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. When you think about the love of God, it's eternal in nature. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But do you understand in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, He said He made man in our image. Isn't that wonderful? So who is the our in that? It is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And when I started thinking about the love of God, He made us in His image. And God's love is found all throughout uh, the, the Scriptures. And listen, only through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ can you have salvation. Salvation is eternal life. Now, I found this amazing, and you can go do your own study. And this is just amazing to me. The phrase, are you ready for this? The love of God does not appear in the Old Testament, not even one time. Not one time. The love of God does not appear in the Old Testament, not one time. I found this fascinating, and I'll tell you why. When I looked into this, and that phrase not appearing there, the Old Testament saints were told continually to love God and to love their Lord, their God, and that God's love would appear unto them or he would show love to them at some point. Now, I find that fascinating. Why? Because it's not until the New Testament do you see this phrase, the love of God. And the love of God then appeared unto man. <laughs> and the love of God is what you would think. You look to the Old Testament. Now, he would show things to people in the Old Testament. He would appear unto them. But continually, if you go read the Old Testament over and over and over and over, the Bible says, love the Lord your God. He continually tells them to love him. It wasn't until the New Testament that he said the love of God appeared unto man. Now, when I was looking into this in Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 7, it says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, 
by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now the love of God appears because of his son, Jesus Christ. And in the Old Testament, it says in Proverbs 8, 17, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early find me. But now the love of God, and here it is, has appeared unto us through Jesus Christ. Let me give you some verses. I think I referenced them there. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 and in verse 839, it says, Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You understand that the Holy Ghost used to come upon a man, but in the New Testament, the Holy Ghost now resides in the man. And when the Bible says, And the love of God appeared unto man, it's that Jesus showed up in the flesh. And he came down to mankind. And so the love of God, and I just want you to get a hold of this, the grace of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you look to this and you see this, it appeared unto men. And I, I began to think, you know, in the scriptures it teaches us, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Now listen to this, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of God is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from that. Now, here's the thing. I've heard people say that they believe that they can lose their salvation. That's foolish because the Bible teaches us nothing can separate us from the love of God. And if the love of God is the Lord Jesus Christ and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you can't separate yourself from the love of God. And so the love of God is Christ Jesus. And so in 1 John 3.16, not John 3.16, but in 1 John 3.16 and in 4.9, he said, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. The love of God did not appear in the Old Testament. It only appears in the New Testament. And the reason is Jesus showed up in the flesh in the New Testament, and the love of God appeared to man. Now, for us to love God and for the love of God to be present in our life, one of the things that has to happen, we have to have a personal relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. You cannot love God, listen to me, you cannot love God apart from Jesus Christ. It doesn't happen. And God continually told the folks in the Old Testament to love the Lord your God. And they made continual sacrifices, and they went to the temples, and they did all these things, and they were trying to demonstrate. But here's the thing. They needed a Savior. <laughs> they needed a Savior, just like we do. And so the love of God appeared down unto man. Now, apart from Jesus Christ, you're not able to receive the love of God, nor are you able to be in communion with the Spirit of the Lord. The last thing is this. He said, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, and I love this, the communion of the Holy Ghost. You ought to underline that in your Bible, the communion of the Holy Ghost. Now we partake of communion here in the church, and this is a little bit different. <laughs> this is not talking about that type of communion, but it is talking about a partnership here. And, and the communion of the Holy Ghost, the, the, the Spirit of the Lord desires this close relationship with us in this communion of the Holy Ghost. And this is spiritually an eye-opening statement from Paul. That word communion is this word right here, it is partnership. It is partnership. It's participation, to communicate, to fellowship. And folks, this is a close association between people. 
And, and, and I love this because the Spirit of the Lord or the Holy Ghost is not Casper, the friendly ghost. The Holy Ghost is the third person of the Trinity. He is the third person of the Trinity. And so when you look this up, this close association between persons, emphasizing what is common between them. Now I want to ask you something. What is common between me and the Holy Spirit? What is common between you and the Holy Spirit? What is common between us and the Holy Spirit? Only one thing. (laughs) The Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen. The grace of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. The communion of the Holy Ghost is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's us communing with God. Through the power of His Spirit, we commune with God. And so the communion of the Holy Ghost is your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so there's this commonality. Listen to me. It is sharing or contributing or a gift. And the outcome of such a relationship is this. It is fellowship It's communication, and I love this because this is included in this. It's distribution. And I began to think, how is it possibly distribution? Because we ourselves are filled with the Spirit of God. If we have the Spirit of God in us, then the relationship that we have with God the Father, God the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit should cause us to want to share, distribute the name of Jesus Christ with other people. It should cause that to happen in us. Now, as we look at this, the point of all of this is that the Holy Ghost, as I shared with you, is not Casper, but he is the third person of the Trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And here's the thought. When you think about it, the Holy Ghost has a major role in the life of a Christian, and every Christian needs to know the Holy Spirit as personal as you know the Father, the Son, He wants you to know the Spirit as well. Now, here's the thing. When you go through and you start studying your New Testament Bible, and especially when you go in and you start reading from Acts to Revelation, you see a great deal of the power of the Holy Spirit of God working in the life of people and in the church. And here's the thing. The Holy Spirit, we ought to commune or be in partnership with Him on an ongoing basis because that is what drives us to truth. That's what drives us to prayer. That's what drives us to the Word of God. That's what drives us to share the gospel with other people. That is the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And I'll demonstrate this to you by way of Scripture here in a moment. In John 16, 13, the Bible says... Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, listen to this, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. Now listen, Jesus is saying in John, the, the Spirit has not come at this point, howbeit, when the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. The Spirit of the Lord is not here to talk about himself. That's why when you go to these churches and they emphasize the Holy Ghost and make Him the center of the service, we're wrong for doing that because the Holy Ghost is all about speaking about Jesus Christ because He didn't come to speak about Himself. He came to speak about Jesus Christ. 
And so he does not want to be glorified, but does want to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ because the Bible clearly teaches us here in John that he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So here's the challenge for us. When you're alone with God, talk to the Spirit. Commune with the Spirit. Let the Spirit move upon your heart because the Spirit has one clear job in your life, and that is for Him and for you to be in partnership together to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why He's in you. That's why He's with you. That's why God allowed the Spirit to come into us and to help you with all things, for the Holy Ghost is a gift of Christ to save. Now here's the challenge, and I told you, when you look to the Scriptures, it's amazing to me. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I want you to look at two verses, and I want you to see the role of the Holy Spirit here. And you think about this, and you think about what God's teaching us here, and our whole role is to do something by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now some of you know these verses, and I know you know them, but I want you to see them. There's something about the eye seeing the Word on the page that changes the heart of man. Because sometimes we just sit and we think, well, I got it, I got it, I got it. But you know what? There's something about opening up the Word of God and seeing that Word on the page that penetrates the heart. Let me share this with you. He said, what? (laughs) Big question mark, isn't there? And he says this to us. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is where? In you. Where's the Holy Ghost if you're saved? In you. Where is the Holy Ghost? in you. The Holy Ghost is in you. Now watch this. And he says, which ye have of God. Who gave us the Holy Ghost? God did, didn't he? And so we have this Holy Ghost that God gave to us. And notice this now, and ye are not your what? Own. I want you to know something. If you're here tonight and you are saved, you do not belong to yourself. Self needs to get out of the way, and we need to glorify the Savior. We need to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. And here he says in this passage, for ye are bought with a price. Now notice this, we have a responsibility. If you are saved, you have been bought with a price. Jesus bought you off the auction block. Just like Hosea bought Gomer off the auction block in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ bought us off the auction block of death and hell. And what he says to us is that, what, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, uh, which ye have of God and ye are not your own? Listen, for you've been bought with a price, and here's the responsibility that we have now. Therefore, therefore we have this responsibility. And listen, if you are saved and the Holy Spirit is in you, which the Bible says he is if you're saved, you have a responsibility now. He said, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to God. And the Holy Spirit resides in you. And the Holy Spirit has a desire not to speak of himself. And so these churches that you go to, where they're standing there and they're all speaking in tongues and all trying to lift up the name of the Holy Spirit, I want you to know the Holy Ghost told me he doesn't like to talk about himself. He likes to talk about Jesus, amen? That's what's on his mind. 
That's what he wants to talk about. That's what he wants to glorify. And he wants to glorify God. And so the Bible teaches us, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So the Holy Ghost is in you. And to fellowship or commune with him is to commune with God the Father and God the Son. (laughs) That is the power of the Holy Ghost in you. That is communing with the Holy Ghost. That means that if I'm communing with the Holy Ghost, then I'm going to be thinking... What is it that God wants? What is it that God wants to do with me? What is it that God wants from me today? (laughs) Listen, if I'm communing with the Holy Ghost, I'm thinking about Jesus. If I'm communing with the Holy Ghost, I'm thinking about the love of God. I'm thinking about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. If I'm communing with the Holy Ghost, I'm thinking about what is it that God would have me to do. Here's what it says in Galatians 3.3. I want you to get a hold of this. The Bible says... Are ye so foolish? Are ye so foolish? Listen to this. Having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? (laughs) Do we really think that we can continue to make ourselves perfect in the flesh if we've been bought with the Spirit? Hey, listen, when you look at this and you see this, if you've begun in the Spirit, we ought to end in the Spirit. Amen? We ought not be trying to walk in the flesh. We ought to be trying to walk in the Spirit. And the Bible says that we would not fulfill the lust of the flesh if we would walk in the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit, that is communing with God. That is communing with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the communion of the Holy Ghost because His desire is for us to walk with God. Now, I challenge you in your thoughts in 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, with open face, beholding as in the glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You don't change on your own. You cannot change on your own. You have to rely on God the Spirit to help change you so that you behold that image, that image that He's trying to conform us to, which is Jesus Christ, that we be more conformed to the image of His Son. That is communing with the Holy Ghost. That is walking with God. As I finish up here, I want you to think about the importance of submitting ourselves to the Holy Ghost, to the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of the Lord. We know this verse, and the Bible says, and be not drunk with wine. And you know what? I, I, I have to stop here every time I read this because that verse is used more often than not to tell you, see, the Bible says you can drink. <laughs> I read that, and I'm thinking to myself, that is not what that is talking about. It's just an illustration. He said, and be ye not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. In other words, the Bible is teaching us, don't let anything control you but the Spirit of the Lord. Because you think about a man who's drunk with wine. What's he controlled by? What's he being controlled by? What is, have you ever talked to a drunk person? What is that conversation like when you talk to a drunk person? When, when you see a drunk person, do they walk straight or do they stumble? How do they walk? They fall all over the place, don't they? And the Bible says, Be not drunk with wine, whereas the next is to be filled with the Spirit. In other words, don't let anything control you but the Spirit of the Lord. Communing with the Holy Ghost is allowing the Spirit to control your thoughts, to control your words, to control your deeds, to control your actions. That, folks, is communing with the Holy Ghost. That is being filled with the Spirit. And the filling is communion with the Holy Ghost and allowing the Lord to take control over that old flesh. It's not you receiving more of God. It's not like, 
boy, today, I got more of God today. No, really, it's just you giving up and letting God control you. And what it is, is that when you're communing with the Holy Ghost, you're allowing God to have control and not the flesh. Now, having shared that, I want you to think about the role of the Holy Ghost in the life of the believer. And, and you think about it, he's there to help you maintain what I would consider holy living. And we don't like to talk about that today. We don't like to talk about holy living. And believe me, folks, when we're trying to lead people to Christ, we're trying to lead them from a heathenistic life and lifestyle the majority of the time and moving them over to holy living. And God desires for us to be holy. He said, be holy for I am what? Doesn't God tell us to be holy? (laughs) And here's the thing, to move from a heathenistic life and lifestyle into holy living. That's a long journey sometimes, isn't it? And the thing of it is, is that it takes a while. And not everybody's on the same space on the trail. (laughs) We want everybody to be at the same pace and the same space, but we're not. We're all at different places, but the truth is, God's trying to move all of us from being heathens (laughs) to holy living. You said, preacher, did you call me a heathen? Nope. No, I just believe that God's trying to move us from something unto him and closer to him. And he does that by you communing with the Holy Ghost, by allowing the love of God, which is Christ Jesus, and the grace of God, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us by Christ, to lead us in the way we think and behave. That is well-pleasing to the Lord. So here's the idea. Stay in close partnership with God. How do you stay in close partnership with God? And let me just challenge you tonight. Just think about this and I'll close. Do you, every day, I didn't say, did you throw up messages to Christ today? I'm saying, have you gotten alone with God and really prayed? Have you spent some time with God praying unto God. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying, Lord, give me, 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 and Lord, when you get all these things done for me, get back with me. It's not what I said. I'm asking you, have you communed with God today? Have you gotten alone with God in prayer? Secondly, God loves his word. He loves to hear his word. And the spirit of the Lord teaches us his word. In fact, the Bible says he'll bring all things to our remembrance whatsoever he said unto us. And we can't know what he said if we have not read. Would you agree? How are you going to know what he said if you've never read it? And here's the thing. To be in communion with the Holy Ghost, you not only have time of prayer, you have time of studying. And the Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, not man but God. And so to be in communion with the Holy Ghost, God loves his word. He loves to hear his word. Listen, we need to be in love with his word because Jesus Christ is also the word. (laughs) And what we need to have is a love for Jesus Christ that comes by way of communion with the Holy Ghost. Now listen, underline these in your Bible. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost. 
And notice Paul said, be with you all. And he said, amen. Amen means, I agree. We ought to have those three things present in our